the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Fear is useless. What is needed is communion. Fear is useless. What is needed is communion. As we celebrate the beginning of Advent, we always think about the three comings of Christ, that he's come 2,000 years ago, that he's coming to us presently, and that he will come as we pray in the creed to judge again the living and the dead. But as I was thinking about and preparing for this moment, the question I had was, what's more important, his first coming 2,000 years ago or his coming into my heart? Obviously, you can't have the second without the first. But what's life like without Christ in your heart? What are the prospects there? And we come to church to think about that and ponder that. That's why we don't sing the glory to God, because we ponder and think about and feel. We want to feel what life is like without Christ. What do we have? So in our first reading today, we are promised in history through Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah saying the temple's going to go down, the city of Jerusalem's going to go down. He's giving this hard word to the people, but then the Lord speaks through him. Jeremiah 33, our first reading today, 14 to 16, I will fulfill the promise. Jerusalem, which is us, the church, will dwell secure. That's an amazing promise in this world of insecurity. So many people are afraid to die. Corona, and we, we come here today to say we have a promise that we can be secure and we don't have to be running around scared. Yeah, we have to be reasonable and prudent, but there, there's so much fear and anxiety in our world. And the Lord bids us not to be anxious through the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord's name shall be justice. What does name mean for Hebrew? It means that's the essence, is justice, that we would have the Lord of justice. And justice is a relational term. It's not like a law hoisted from without, but it's a relational term that is the Lord in our hearts. And what would we do without him in our hearts. It means to make right, our lives right. Am I in right relationship with God? Am I in right relationship with each other? Am I in right relationship with this creation that God has called me to be a steward of, to take care of for this generation and future generations? So his justice is his life for us. And his justice, his life is our security. And we aren't right with it, then we're out of balance. We're wrong. And that's the gift of the church and having each other and the word of God and the sacraments is say, wait, this is not right. And I want to be in the justice of the Lord because that gives me security. So we read about that in the first reading, that promise of that fulfillment. In the second reading, we read about God coming in the now. Each and every moment we're invited into his security because he shall be our justice. And we read from Thessalonians 3 that, that Paul talks about, may you increase and abound in love and conduct yourselves, my dear children, in the way that we have instructed you, 
We have been instructed by the Holy Spirit. We've had this inner transformation, and we share that with you. Conduct yourself in that way. So that's Jesus coming in the now. And what's beautiful about St. Paul, he later writes in the book to the Romans, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? No force, no evil on earth can take us out of God's hands. Only sin can do that. Only we can choose to live without Christ to our peril. When we invite Christ in, though, Christ is subversive. He turns our lives upside down. If it's right side up, he doesn't need to do that. He's just going to strengthen that. But if it's upside down, then he's going to turn it right side up. He's subversive. He's going to overthrow and reverse and transform us in the totality of our lives. Everything. Every cell. That's good news. That's our hope. That's the fulfillment that he's talking about in the first reading, the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. I will fulfill my promise. I love this quote, and I've given it to you before, but it's from Pope Benedict XVI, and it is this. Even the molecules in the bread give up their right to act as they want. Even the molecules in the Eucharist this day, they give up their right to act as they want. Christian, fellow Christian, friend, we give up the right to act as we want when we come to receive the Eucharist. We give up that right and we say, I'm yours, Lord, and you come into my life and you do this reversal, this transformation, this total experiencing of your life. I read this article recently. You might have heard of him, Steph Curry, guard for the Golden State Warriors. He can kind of shoot pretty well. But what he's done and what he continues for his shot is the metrics and the analysis of the shot. So Steph Curry's obviously called to what all he's doing, all the good in the world, and to be a basketball player, and that we would be blessed through that entertainment. At least I am. So he has that, but then there's a call within the call. And he's doing this metrics and analysis to get a swish within the swish. To make it, to go for perfection, excellence. And that's a great thing that we all need to pursue is excellent. To be excellent in Christ, in his power. So it continues to be refined and refined. Another example I think of that is Mother Teresa was called to be a religious. There's no doubt about it. And you probably well know the story. She was in a teaching order. And she was continuing to open her heart and her life to God. And she was on a train at one point. Imagine that, on a train. I was just thinking about that. I've, <laughs> a lot of my revelations have been in the, the bathroom lately, but we won't go there, okay? But that's where it's happening, so. Lord have mercy. But she's in a train, and she, God puts on her heart, serve the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And now we have Mother Teresa Calcutta continuing to go and be refined into the excellence that is Christ. And so we celebrate the call within the call. And to remember that the gospel and the experience of Jesus Christ progresses and is advanced primarily in our friendships and our families. So that's where it's going to happen. So beware, be awake, don't be drowsy. This is where God is calling us, and this is the context that's going to happen. 
And then in our gospel, we have about the future. And the gospel can be really scary. It can be really scary for us if we aren't in communion with the Lord. The gospel, history has a trajectory. It's going somewhere towards a culmination. It's about something. It's about fulfillment in Christ. The gospel today is about the second coming when Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead. And at that time we read, all the political governing order, that will go down. The whole cosmos will go down. It's all going to be wiped down to the core. It's going to crash down. And in Luke 21, Jesus is teaching about the end times. This is Holy Week, so it would be Holy Week right before his death, and he's teaching about the end times. And he's referring to the Son of Man will come. And that's from Daniel chapter 7. The Son of Man will, will be given universal dominion and appointed the judge over all the earth. Now, imagine yourself coming before Jesus. What's that like? What kind of emotions does that evoke in your mind, in your heart right now? My experience in ministry, a lot of people, it's like going to confession. Oh, I don't want to go there. That will be punishment. He is not happy with me. He's ready to punish me and put me in my place. So that can be one thing. Or it can be, well, there's nothing because I really don't have anything. I come to church. I want that, but I'm struggling to know that in my heart, that it's, my heart's more than nothing and that there's more to this life that is going somewhere, that there is fulfillment and that there's hope that I can be in that fulfillment. I was meditating on this coming before the Lord and how we can be so scared and a, a punishment or just nihilism, nothing. And I was thinking about the demons. What do the demons do in the presence of Jesus in the New Testament? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What do you have to do with us? And then they, they would flee in his sight knowing their position before the Lord and the decision that they had made. Or is coming before the Lord like, it's reward, it's fulfillment, that I have dialogue daily with this one and I have been in communion with him. There was this one who has never failed me in my whole life, the one I can totally trust and being in a reunion with him, my best friend, being in communion. Fear is useless. So when we stand before our judge, it's not, oh, helpless little me, I have no place to turn, but it's the risen Christ standing in us and for us. Amen? The risen Christ standing in us and for us, whoever may, forever makes intercession for us so that we might be in communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. That's the invitation. This is what Advent's about, this call. Fear is useless. What is needed is communion. What will you do, my friend, for that? What mountains will you climb? What seas will you cross over to get there? Pray that the saints will inspire us to do what they did, everything. He wants everything. And we give up the right to act as we want. We come into the amazing, overflowing life and communion of Christ. So, homework. 
slash playwork. Think about just one thing you're anxious about. I've been struggling with anxiety for about last month and a half. Haven't been sleeping great. Just one thing you're, and I don't even know. I don't even know. I haven't put a finger on it. One thing you're anxious about it. It could be many things. It could be about sickness, coronavirus, money, socialism, the future. What about my children who have left the church, who have left Christ, left God, society, leadership? Maybe you're anxious about how God views you. He's not happy with you, and he's ready to pounce on you as soon as you come into his presence, whatever that might be. And spend... Five to ten minutes a day, every day in Advent, bringing that before the Lord. And then, even further, seeking communion. Go to adoration once a week. Spend a half hour there dealing with this anxious state of your soul. I cannot tell you how many miracles are happening in adoration. Why? Because, first of all, I know that. And why? Because you're telling me that. You are in the pews. You who I'm talking with are telling me that, that miracles are happening. And you bring it before the Lord, and Lord, solve me, S-A-L-V. Give me the healing, the peace, the security of your presence. Show me a way forward. Show me how to deal with this. Show me how that you can be king of this that you can be my fulfillment and not my anxiety that is keeping me from that fulfillment. My nephew, Nathan, he's 33 years old right now. He's a special needs child of God. He's reported to his family and to me that he's taken these trips to heaven, and I believe it's true. It's mystical. I won't get into all of that, but I just want to give you the background to what happened about seven, eight months ago. He came up to his dad, who's my brother, Dan, and he said, Dad, he was all excited. He said, Dad, you know what the best day of your life is? And my brother goes, no, what is it? He goes, it's the day you die. Yeah, why? Because that's the day you get to see Jesus. And a child shall lead them. That's what this is about. That's the day that you get to see Jesus. Seek him with all you've got. You are loved. You're forgiven. You're his. You belong to him in his life, in his rule, in his fulfillment. Fear is useless. What is needed is communion. Run. Run to the best day of your life.